0: later. What's it up?
1: Yeah! You're listening to the Culture State podcast.
0: Get ready. Woo!
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Culture State podcast, back here ready for you guys.
0: I am Chris Lee, that is my man. I'm Dennis Cox. Thanks again for tuning in this week. By the way, Chris, Tuesday, yes. Papa Murphy's, 1099 large pizzas, make sure you go online order yourself one. Ten ninety nine. You give them a follow at Papa Murphy's on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you get yourself some fresh Papa Murphy's this week. Change the way you
1: pizza. You know what's what's really Change cool about that? We drop every Wednesday That's at right. twelve midnight. That's so right, you right can right go, go with Papa Murphy's. You know, stay up, watch some you know movies, do your thing, and then yeah. at twelve midnight, boom, new episode of Culture State Podcast ready for you guys. Just like today's episode where we're interviewing uh pro wrestler and one of my good friends Darius Lockhart. Um, If you're unfamiliar with that name, uh, don't worry. A lot of people are. But the reason why we have him on is because he's from Charlotte. He's going to be one of the big names in pro wrestling coming up. He's already made some waves, um, you know, doing his thing with NWA. He also uh, did his thing, you know, a few matches with uh, AEW. And he's uh, generally considered to be one of the up and coming coming superstars uh, in the world of professional wrestling. And uh, he represents
0: Charlotte, North Carolina. That's right. And by the way, Chris, I believe you wrestled against Darius Lockhart.
1: Bunch of times. Bunch of
0: times.
1: (laughs) plenty of times, way back. Yeah, we go way back. Um, You know, we had a nice little program at CWF Mm Mid-Atlantic. And, um, you know, it was interesting because, you know, at the time, me and him both didn't have anything to do. We weren't in like a, you know, a storyline or anything like that. So you know, we kind of pitched, Hey, let's us do something together. And this is before Darius found his uh, revolutionary character. <clears throat> he was wearing these, you know, long tights, red and black. I was just doing my thing. And, um, you know, and he wanted to, he was the heel at the time. And of course I was a baby face. And um, we built an entire match around me hurting my hand inside the match. And I felt like it was just kind of, it was beautiful because we used that for callbacks later but um, we had this program and basically I was, you know, doing my baby face thing. I, had him, I was all on top of him at the beginning part of the match. And I got too overzealous and he was against the uh, the, the ring post outside of the ring. I go for a chop to chop him in the chest. He moves out the way. I smack the, uh, the, the ring post. Mm-hmm. Uh, like legit smack the ring post pretty hard. Yeah. And so that then, you know, hurt my hand. And then he literally spent the entire match working on my hand. He's he stuffed it inside of <laughs> the, the turnbuckle, kicked the turnbuckle. It was all kinds of interesting, unique spots that um, didn't really involve us doing anything kind of crazy. Uh-huh. And then uh, one thing that was interesting, he went for a little bit of a roll up. I reach out with that same hand um, to go uh, grab the the uh, the rope to break the you know the hold. And he grabs my hand back and pulls it back. And now, now you can hear me screaming, ah, one, two, three, he wins. Yeah. Right. And it was kind of like a beautiful, you know, um, story kind of centered around like this yeah. one mistake that I made. And then we went back and then we had a, a return match. And then um, I go for the chop again on the on the post. And then uh, I remember my mistake. I stopped. And then I ended up stomping on his hand and getting him back and things like that. Yeah. And I used that against him. So it was it was a pretty cool thing. You could probably still watch these matches. Uh if you search Chris Lee, Darius Lockhart, CWF Mid-Atlantic on YouTube. So um, you know, and I, I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna toot my own horn here.
0: You should toot your own horn, Chris.
1: But I would have to say that um, you know, those matches were really good matches, and I think it really helped me and him both understand uh, storytelling within the ring. Um, Of course, he's been wrestling longer than me because I ended up stopping, but he uh, was going on to do all kinds of matches way better than that match. Um, But I I would like to think that that match is like a foundation, you know, and also it kind of helped out uh, with our friendship and and just learning how to, you know, work with somebody and how to tell a story and things like that. So it was really good. Uh, I, in, in my opinion um yeah. especially if you want to go back and see you know two wrestlers at the very beginning of their career and one um you know continuing with it and now starting to make the splashes and waves all across the wrestling com- community
0: well that's the thing about wrestling that's almost a, a lost art in so many ways so many I mean, we talked with tony Schiavone about this recently is that so many guys are just caught up in getting a reaction from an audience in terms of like this big high flying move. All right. This, this little move might go viral on social media. Cause I got someone filming it, blah, blah, blah. But what it really comes down to is that can you tell a great story, which at the mm-hmm. end of the day, even in real life sports, we want great stories. That's, that's really what it comes down to. It's like, okay, can this person overcome this mistake or overcome this weakness or this team overcome a mistake or weakness? Can they do that? Can they, can they fight against the odds? It, it's basic standard storytelling um, for as long as life has been recorded. It's it's seriously, it's all it's come comes down to, but the little details like that in a match, you don't even see that kind of stuff on the stuff you on, on national television on WWE or, or some of these other promotions Like it's amazing how like, a guy will quote unquote hurt his knee or hurt his leg in some way during a match, but they have no problem going up to the top rope and doing this big high flying jump and all that stuff. Like, yep. wait, hold on. So like, you couldn't yep. walk seconds ago now, but now you can climb to the top rope. You can just do this high fancy move and get a win. It's like, no, like that. You have to like, I'm, I'm not dumb. I could see that. Right. But from what you're describing this story about the stuff with your hand. It's like, Oh, you reach out for the rope. Well, guess what? I'm going to use that against you. You made that mistake yep. earlier. Now I may now I beat you because of it. And that's now the
1: pain of cool. your hand becomes primary because you're not thinking about your your shoulders on a mat, right? Yeah. This was your escape. And then when he does that, it, ah, and he can hold it for the three. And that yeah. was the whole point of everything. And I felt like it was it was beautiful, man.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. the whole thing. That's the best part of it. So, Chris, let's go ahead and get to your good friend Darius Lockhart right after this. <laughs>
1: okay welcome back to the culture state podcast and um this person right here legit is like i have two best friends in my life legit one of my two best friends um and uh what we like to do on the show of course is to talk to people who help put north carolina on the map well this is somebody who is currently doing that and when you look up in 5 10 15 years this person is going to be very much so important in the world of professional wrestling and also just one of my best friends uh, Darius Lockhart, thank you so much for joining us. I just want to say this is kind of weird for me right now. I don't know if this is weird for you, but it's kind of weird for me right now, just because, like, you know, you're my boy, you know. What I'm saying? No, no,
2: it's, it's not weird. I mean, it, it made it easier to say yes. You know, I'm I'm very um I don't know about Picky. I don't know if Picky is aware because it sounds like I'm turning people down for a reason. But I'm so I'm very peculiar when it comes to interviews. I'm, I can be very mercurial in nature. So um, yeah, no. Was, but when you asked me to do it, I was like, "It's easy. I, I trust Chris to lead. I don't have to tell him what to stay off of or what to to lean towards." So it, it was comfortable. So I, I'm fine with that. You know, it's, it's well, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Real quick, yeah, it's okay. it's awkward for me now because Chris has two best friends. I was like, "Well, if one's Darius. Who's the, is it? Not me? Is it
1: not me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whole time?" I'm, I thought I I'm was like, like it's, it's, "It's my boy John." But uh, but you you're coming up though. You're coming up in the world. coming up in the world dennis Mm -hmm. oh oh, he's about he's about to walk off
2: Uh, oh we'll just do it you or not that's the most awkward thing right
1: (laughs) yeah that'll be more awkward if it's just me and him um first off i had a chance to just a little bit pay more attention to your uh your figures and in in the back right there it looks nice nice setup appreciate it Mm -hmm. um so all right so first off uh for those that don't know you uh darius lockhart is a professional wrestler from charlotte north carolina um, and one of the things like, you know, I've been saying for a while, like you're, you're going to be big in wrestling and, uh, the end of 2021, things were really starting to kind of come together, uh, more on a national scale NWA, uh, happened and you know, you weren't able to actually wrestle on the NWA pay-per-view. I can't remember the name of the pay-per-view, but you cut a promo the begin, hard um, mm-hmm. hard times I should have. Yeah, that's, that's okay.
2: That's I just I didn't want to look bad if I didn't say it, because then they're like, you didn't tell them the company of view And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I represent them now. So I got I got to be knowledgeable. But yeah. hard times So
1: you, you cut a, a promo, um, you know, at the beginning of that. And, and sure. it's interesting. And I should have remembered that hard times because it was in a studio like that where uh, Dusty Rhodes cut that hard times promo. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that kind of helped, you know, um, I guess, solidify him as one of the best uh, out there. And this was your introduction to a, a, a lot of people. So how's everything been uh, since then? I know your follower count has been going up. I'm sure more promotions have been kind of contacting you. What, what's what been the reception uh, since that promo you got at NWA?
2: Um, yeah, well, I, I think the reception's kind of been recognition. You know what I mean? Um, for a lot of times, for any content creator of any sort, let alone a pro wrestler, which is a very niche, like independent pro wrestling is a niche of a niche. So um, I think it's, if you kind of feel like a lot of times when you put things out, it's going into the void and you're just hoping something comes back from it. Um, and sometimes you're making content for the sake of good content. But um, this was one of those things where it happened and I kind of knew in the moment that it was gonna set me apart because, you know, I was taken out of the match due to an injury, but they were like, but we'll give you promo time. And the match I was stated to be in was a gauntlet match. So that's like 12 people. And, um so like it's like, do you want to be one of twelve or thirteen, or do you want to be one of one in your own segment and introduce the new show? So, giving me first of all, I want to say thanks to individual for giving me that spotlight period uh, to do that and give me and put me and trust me in that position. But then at that point, it was balling my court. So once we did it though, um, the the I felt good about it because as soon as I got backstage, there are people, you know, people pulling me to the side, hey man, you're a hell of a promo, hey that was really good, hey, and then that um, was blessed enough to be, you know. Um, like, complimented by some of the great orators of pro wrestling history. Like, it was Raven pulling me to the side, and, you know, Mick Foley is messaging me and telling me, you know, great promo, and and uh, the current WWE champion at the time, Big E, tweeting me and, you know, even commenting about the promo. It, it, it was really cool to see that, you know, it was, I don't like the word validation when it comes to, like, being around my career, because I don't think that we really really need things to validate us in terms of quality of talent or humanity or anything like that. But it was a cool thing to just like, get that affirmation of what I've thought already of like, oh yeah, people are paying attention. They're just not saying anything. (laughs) But like now it's like confirmed, like, nah, we gotta see you now. Like we have to, so it was a very cool like, um, not from a lot of people saying, no, we do see you and, you know, your, vo- your work isn't disappearing to the void. Like you are, you are good. You are talented. So it was, it was really nice to see such positive feedback. I didn't really get anything negative. The fans have been very complimentary of it, even new fans. So people are fans without even watching me wrestle now, which is brilliant. Uh, I think that's what every wrestler aims to do at this point in time.
0: <laughs> How did that relationship with the NWA come about?
2: Um, sorry, yeah, I hate to be lonely on the last one. My bad. But uh the uh the situation Podcast. with the a- of NWA came about was just like it was a summertime of just full just um me sitting around. Like honestly, they tweeted, they did a tweet and they said something about um they congratulated Ron Killings for being the first and only African-American NWA champion to this day. And I remember a lot of fans tweeting them being like, why are you proud of that? That's not a flex, da 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 And it's something that I had taken note of a long time, too, of like, you know, there's only been one. And I remember when they first reinstated the NWA, I kind of always thought in my head, it'd be cool to challenge for that title. So I remember retweeting the tweet that they put about Ron Killings. And um, they were like, you know, to this day, he's the only African-American champion that NWA has ever had. And I just kind of tweeted a funny tongue-in-cheek, I can fix that and the tweet like took off and there was like thousands of tweets like retweets and likes and people interacting with it and it got a lot of buzz just that one little tweet like three three words right so i was like okay there's power oh four words right i can fix that yeah four words it's like uh it it was like there's a lot of power with that and i'm like okay people are behind it um i wasn't going to do anything with it i was going to kind of ride the wave and see if they dm me but one of my boys was like you should cut a promo and I was like, ah, that might be like I'm not trying to beg for a job. I don't need it. You know, if they want me, they want me. If they don't, they don't. Like they'll see me. You know what I mean? They'll see they see the numbers. The social media guys interacted with it. So they saw the numbers. Um, but I let them talk me into it. So then I cut the promo a couple days later, then that blew up. And then um they reached out. The social media team was like, well, we the promo is too good to ignore and the people are retweeting it. So we gotta we have to like do something with you or at least tell the boss to do something with you. So they told the bosses and then a little bit afterwards, they re- reached out to me, asked me if I'm interested to come out and meet them. So I flew out to, um, uh, I think we were in Tennessee at the time cause they were at the chase, the, great, the chase building, which is like historic for NWA. I went out there, we taught business. They liked what they saw, liked what they got from me. And then, um, They gave me the next, like the dates for the next set of tapings in December and the rest is history. It was just like that. It was just one of those things that you take a shot in the dark. And um, I'm thankful for people who pushed me to be like, no, tweet that. No, because the same person who told me to drop the promo told me to tweet it. Because I wasn't going to even tweet, I can fix that. I was like, is this corny? And he was like, no, tweet that. I was like, all right. And then, uh, so shout out to Sugar Dunkerton for that. Um, And then uh, here we are.
0: It's crazy.
1: Um, One of the things I think is cool, though, about that as well, because I feel like things kind of come full circle. We talk about the importance that the N.W.A. has had and the success they've had in the state of North Carolina uh, Mm -hmm. throughout its history. But then here you are, uh, the first, uh, you know, and only N.W.A. champion calls Charlotte home, a black N.W.A. champion calls Charlotte Mm -hmm. home. Here you are another black man from Charlotte uh, Mm -hmm. who's on the rise in pro wrestling, you know, you know, young. You have so many years ahead of you. does I don't I don't want to say pressure, but what what kind of um, excitement does that maybe give you that you can also be another from North Carolina to kind of put uh, that particular thing on your back to also help inspire the next generation of Darius Lockharts or other African American pro wrestlers who can go back and do the same after you?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Well, you know, I'm. It's funny that with pressure, I don't really feel a lot of pressure around it. Um, there are certain things that, you know, give me pressure on pro wrestling, but with something like this, it's like when things line up that much, it's almost like the stars are aligned, you know. Like like who who would have thought, you know, I mean, Ron Killings happens when the NWA title, black man, Charlotte North Carolina, redemption story of his own. You know, he came back and hit bottom and come back on his own. But I'm like, look look how look how that lines up. It's so similar, it's eerie. And when things line up that eerie, like that eerily, like I kind of it almost feel like it was written, you know what I'm saying? Like that Nas album, it was written. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of like when things line up that way. I just kind of put that to a higher power and go, you know what? If it's meant to happen, if it's, if it's meant to happen, it'll, it'll happen. And it's lined up too perfectly now. So at the moment comes, I mean, I'm confident enough in my ability to, you know, cash in on that. Um, but I almost just feel like it's a blessing. Like it's it's almost meant to be. It's it's too perfect. It's too perfect for us both from Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know, it's a small thing, like, r I remember going to Charlotte to uh, my first ever, like, SmackDown as a kid, 12 years old. And R-Truth's, like, Vianette, like, his, like, I'm coming thing aired that night. So I was there for his, like, come back to WWE. I was there for that. So it's kind of like fate, you know what I mean? Um, it's honestly a privilege and it's exciting. It gets me like, whoa, that's history. That's, that's legacy, that's lineage, that's special. Um, and and if, for things a line up that perfectly, I feel like I got to do it. And if not me, someone else from Charlotte. But I'm here in this position, so it's like if we don't do it, <laughs> like, like I don't know what I don't know what type of time we're on. Um, but but I would love to. To I, I'm proud to be in this position where I've gotten there being myself. That's the most important part to me, mm-hmm. um, because what is that? That says to me more like for future Darius Lockards, as you put it, a future uh, young black talent. To me, that does more. Than me, you know, getting a regular, regular job and playing the game, like you know, some people have had to do. Not saying Killings did that, not saying anyone else primarily did it, but it's like there, there, um, there's a pressure off of having to corporatize yourself, having to almost neuter yourself, having to censor yourself. And um, I got there, and I got there in that space, and hopefully we'll receive the opportunity to do, make the same kind of history by just being myself, and that's gonna do a lot for people like me because. You know, we're always taught to change and assimilate, and assimilation is um, it, it's it's detriment to character.
0: You know, yeah. You talk about being yourself. Well, for those who don't know, who is Darius Lockhart? Not just the wrestler, but mm-hmm. the person. Who is Darius Lockhart?
2: Um, I'm just a guy who cares, man. Uh, I know that sounds corny and cliche, but it really is. It's like.
1: Um, hey man, you corny.
2: that's what Dennis says. When Eddie Murphy gets interviewed <laughs> by Arsenio Hall, they're just never going to be able to stay on on, on track. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it, right. it's like for yeah. real. Like when um I, I was I was a young age when the Trayvon Martin situation happened, and there are people, a lot of adults in my life, right there, who said, you know, he kind of looks like you, and that kind of set me on a, like a, a really a sense of awareness about what I, who I am with my identity. Is to the world. That's 10
1: years ago. That's 10 years ago this year. In 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 that that crazy. In that crazy. And it was the
2: start of a lot of things. It was the start of my journey. You know, I, I took that and then I went to college and joined a learning community, which was like um based around, you know, black men coming together and really seeing what they are in the world and seeing what they are in the world. And I became an African diaspora studies minor. And through that, I kind of found a way to say, hey, how do I make my work and my like, uh, my work and my craft, my ability. How can I utilize that to say something and do something profound that's helpful and actually meaningful beyond just something self-serving? Because pro wrestling is honestly, admittedly, self-serving. It's it's very ego-driven. You know, you're always having to think about yourself and how to sell yourself to the masses. It's it's a it's a show. It, you know, in a one-on-one match, it's you and someone else, but the eyes are on you, and you're trying to amplify that. So, but I, I I'm not that selfish in nature. I would like to think. Um, I'm an only kid, but I've always been empathetic. So yeah, I just cool. always wanted to extend that grace to whatever I do. And now putting it the work, it was really like, how do I say something profound? So I'm a person who you know likes to um, stand for, I guess, I don't wanna say stand for change, but I, I, I see the wrestling industry has um, allowed itself to become um, yet another tool of something is uh, existential and massive now at this point as white supremacy, sadly. And I just want to be a guy to just stand here and change it and say, F you. You know, there's a lot of gatekeepers that pro wrestling has seen throughout, I mean, forever. Um, there's always, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in the sport that's conducted the way it's done, there's a lot of people who get to say no or yes. And that makes or breaks careers for people who might be marginalized naturally. So how do we knock those doors down? How do we, you know, um, stay true to ourselves? How do we stop letting them marginalize us? Um, I'm the guy who wants to figure that out and do so without having to fold or, you know, um, go back on any morality, and also help others, you know, get to that point too. Whether people who are more marginalized than myself. Um, so I'm just a guy who wants to create change. I'm a man who who cares enough to try to make a difference in this thing, and save like real, not save, but like really help what I, I grew up loving because it's something that can be so beautiful, but has hurt a lot of people because of the lack of opportunities for others and the lack of um, proper representation for others. So I'm just a guy who wants to change that.
1: I'll say this and and like through our friendship, I'll say that, um, like, I think in general, just the way I was raised, um, me going to UNCG, being an alum from there, you went to UNCG, but it was after me. Um, you know, just those environments, it, it makes you naturally, just kind of an accepting person, uh, mm. somebody who's open to seeing things uh, in a different way. But I will say that my friendship with you has helped me see other things in a different way as well, uh, as far as trans rights, uh, mm. just different things, things that I wasn't, not necessarily I was against people, but things you just weren't aware of, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um. And, and so when you think about all that and the different things you've represented, you put out uh, before, and you also kind of combine that with what you were saying when it comes down to, um gatekeepers and knocking certain doors down and, and there being certain boundaries uh for for certain people if you don't fit in a certain box within pro wrestling um what are some of those boundaries in pro wrestling that have to get knocked down uh for different performers to kind of shine and get the um and get the uh, platform that they deserve uh as so they can represent their different communities
2: I think it's going to have to take either um, getting power, the actual power to make decisions into those marginalized people's hands, or at least getting the powers that be to realize um, the power and strength are like the the opportunity we have to, to really change what the social standard is. You know, um, I have a saying that I, I, I use quite a bit but it, it always hits either way because it's true you know it's it's this thing is um uh, do you look like a world champion or has a world champion always looked like you you mm-hmm. know from when i was a kid i was 12 years old i started watching pro wrestling uh randy orton was champion at the time and every day they told me you know if you build a wrestler from the ground up it looks like randy orton if you build a pro wrestler a perfect pro wrestler it looks like randy orton well randy orton is great he's a wonderful one of the greatest wrestlers of all time but he's a 6-4 muscled up white guy with tattoos and that's what the industry has almost like pushed for forever of what this what the world champion what a perfect human looks like and um, that, that gets into people's subconscious a lot. So what you have to really do is change that narrative of what a perfect pro wrestler looks like or what really a top dog looks like or what someone who is superior to the rest of the roster looks like or, or you know, or, or just eliminating ideas of superiority, period, that there has to be one person um, more dominant than everyone else. And, and it looks like this. Um, I think I think that doesn't happen um, it, with the same kind of gatekeepers around. You know, Um And it's no, it's no shot. It's no shade. It's just truth. You know, every time we see the industry needs like a a revamp or recycle or like the reboot button or, you know, the writing team gets stale. So they'll bring back someone, you know, who knows what they're doing relatively. But at the end of the day, they're always older white men. It, it's Jim Cornette. If it's not Jim Cornette, it's Eric Bischoff. It's not Eric Bischoff. It's Paul Heyman. If it's not Paul Heyman. It's Bruce Pritchard. It's not Bruce Pritchard. It's Vince. If it's not Vince, it's JR. It's it's, it's always the same outlook, the same outreach. And unfortunately, you know, the way the human psyche works, um, we all have biases. We all have blind spots. We all have um you know things we lean toward culturally are aren't able to see culturally because of what our own experiences our own experience is. And when you're only living and creating from your viewpoint of experience, um that's almost detrimental to the rest of us because in the industry, there's all of us. Like they say pro wrestling for everyone. There are a lot of people in pro wrestling. Everyone loves wrestling. It unifies so many different people. You go to a Raw and SmackDown and look around everyone's there right so Mm -hmm. of course that translates to people getting in the ring it it draws people of everywhere but if we're only centering um you know pro wrestling as we know it which is basically you know white heterosexual just like right there and that's all we know is the pinnacle of pro wrestling when you you know call yourself like the most elite wrestling on earth and all your top guys are white or if you know you were you know, having seventy five years worth of championship legacy and like maybe only three of those people are black and three of them happened in the past year, like four of those people are black and three of them happened in the past two years, you know, that it, it doesn't look good. And um it, it speaks to what the industry is used to. So I say that to say this, you have to either change the people that are making decisions or get them to see that there are more people than what they classify as the norm or the pinnacle of pro wrestling um something has to change and and world champions can't just keep looking like one person they have to look like all of us yeah. over time and that's not to just hand out you know we're not handing out gold stars or, or uh, the you know awards or what, what are they say participation awards that's not what that is what it is is letting everyone eat from the same plate everyone gets the same opportunities um not same opportunities you know sometimes it's like there's, there's a difference between equity and Inequality. equality yeah. Some people need more than others because they have been underserved as a community. But we, do, people of all sorts, um, of all kinds, of walks of path, walks of life, deserve to receive the same opportunities as someone who is, um, I would say, in this apolitical, naturally uh, to the industry would. You know what I mean? So in order to inspire that change, it has to start looking different from the ground up. But it starts backstage, not just in the rain, because then, you know, we're not really getting anywhere
1: really quick dennis before you go i just, I just want to add in just my two cents in there just what you're saying so of course we met because i used to be a pro wrestler as well and um one of the things i just remember clearly being a kid um wanting to be a pro wrestler and then sometime maybe around 10 and mm-hmm. that was after i got called the n-word the first time after you know people started making fun of me because of my hair or you know being darker or things like that that's when you start trying t- to notice like Oh, I'm, I'm a little different than mm-hmm. others. That's when I started noticing. Then that's when I noticed it in wrestling. I was like, well, wait a minute. I don't see anybody that looks like me that, you know, isn't without a bird or isn't, you know, dancing or, you know, putting mm-hmm. those types of positions. Um, and then it wasn't until The Rock came along and he's half black where I was like, oh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. i can go and be a uh, a champion and so mm-hmm. that was the that was honestly the first one. i just wanted to throw in that aside before you uh ask your question dennis i,
2: I mean sorry. yeah i mean sorry not even, oh, ahead, to even piggyback off that it, it it is very real um i also mm-hmm. have another thing like a picture's worth a thousand words right that's what they say yeah. so how many pictures are in like a like you know picture frames how many is that in like one match how many pictures are you looking at in every frame equals like in you know, a whole wrestling show, right? If you're watching two hours and every black person is losing or on their back or getting, <laughs> you know, or dancing or becoming, you know, a modern day menstrual show, no shade to anybody, but sometimes it's what we see in pro wrestling. Um, then how how many words are you saying to that audience? How many things are you telling the kids who are watching it? They they They, they internalize these things. Um we're all internalizing the messaging. that's what marketing is. that's why same it's thing powerful.
1: with women, same thing with you know hispanic folks, Asian folks and all that absolutely. Like, you know, absolutely. every you every know? Asian person doesn't need to be a martial artist. <laughs> you no. know, every Hispanic person doesn't need to dance and, you know, and uh, come out with a conga line or anything like that.
2: So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we've seen people give Spanish people lawnmowers a ride out with. It's so insulting. Right. And it, right. that culture is so right. much more than labor. And it's disgusting. You know what I mean? But, yeah. you know, then we, it, it was for everyone. But everyone deserves that because we, the way we see ourselves is eventually important. And I don't think politics stop at representation. But when it comes to pro wrestling, that's a major, you know, conversation of it. It's not who's in the room. It's how they're being used in that room. But you know that's the whole thing. But my bad brother. Uh, yes, Dennis. If you oh had- no,
0: you're totally fine. I Chris actually kind of brought up the point that I was going to make was that Chris and I have had these conversations, and for mm-hmm. me, it was it was eye opening for me. Like, gosh, like Chris is Chris is right, and I actually we're think talking some just different promotions. I was thinking, you know, like who is their like like all their stars are, are white guys like me. And I I, I like mm-hmm. look at it, you know. So we Chris and I have had these conversations, but Darius, you mentioned about changing things backstage have you had conversations like this with other performers backstage and what have those conversations been like
2: um i mean backstage (laughs) over the phone in my dm (laughs) like i'm having this conversation with black wrestlers all the time and we're just wrestlers of every race really but um that that's who predominantly reaches out to me um you know it's the community is becoming more tight-knit because we realize we're in this together and what's happening and um, what's been happening i think it's kind of it's like a kind of a conscious shift right now Mm -hmm. um But I I think that we're having that conversation more and more people are saying um, are just like, you know, I don't feel, you know, it's almost like we can be given the job, we can, we can, you know, be given the space to be there. But if you're giving me, you know, two, three minutes and opposed to this person getting a 30 minute classic. And that person always is a 30-minute classic. And that person looks like the last guy who got 30-minute classic and the last guy got 30-minute classic. And it's like, but they never look like me. It's a little jarring. And you start putting the math to yourself. You know, you start putting the math together. Um, it just hit me, like, the other day, like, yeah, like, with Chris saying The Rock. The Rock was the first time he got to feel like, he was like, oh, I could do this. I could be a good wrestler, you know? Um, a lot of Black young people, I mean, a lot of young Black people saw themselves like in The Rock because it was the first brother on TV who was like actually kicking ass and doing something. Yeah. And I remember saying to myself like <clears throat> um, a couple months ago, I was like, I was watching something Triple H in 2001. And I was seeing people in the audience like go crazy, like this little kid. And I was like, man, if I was a little white kid in 2001, watching Triple H or like Brock Lesnar come out, I felt like I, I would have felt like I could have done anything, like anything. Like, it's like, like, there's no limit. Brock Lesnar can do anything. He's beating everyone. He can do anything. And it's like with us, you know, we were told on screen at one point that all we're good for are the person who looks like us. All he was good for is dancing and making jokes and making you laugh, yeah. And and doing the up the up and shucking and jiving basically. <laughs> they was told to do his face in a promo on live on TV. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, he gets beat at WrestleMania and then a few months later, he's back to dancing and making people laugh. So it's like, what are you saying to us? People mm-hmm. see it and, and the jig is like, the jig is definitely up. Um, We want others to see it as well. But people understand that it is harder to see when you aren't from that community. Because like I said, if you're a kid, and you're watching the person who looks like you every week do amazing things, do incredible things, do like life-altering. Like Stone Cold was out there fighting the police. I would never.
1: <laughs> I like, yo, like, yo, I mean, I, I would. Yo, but like, like, yo. There's a black kid who would be like, "Whoa, He's that's like, a great point." It's great you point. know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's like, a great like, point. It, it's,
2: it's mind blowing. Like what you get to see people do, and what we don't get to see ourselves do, it kind of limits the brain of what we can do. You feel me? Like, it, it's not to be like a broken record, but, um, but that's it, it. Is you do have to take a bit of a conscious shift and be like, okay, step back. I love pro wrestling, and I think it's amazing because every person who looks like me does amazing things. I'm always seeing people who let like me do amazing things. But imagine if, like, like. It's, it's a little bit of cognitive dis- dis- dissonance. That's the funny part, because AEW exists as an alternative, right? Because WWE has the, the like, they have the, for until recently, they were the big company who liked the big guys, like the big muscles. They liked the big things. And for a while, it was harder to get people who looked like a Darby Allen in those rooms, right? Yeah. And it was harder to get people who looked like an Adam Cole in those rooms, yeah. right? So AEW exists for people to not only, like, have an altern- alternative style of wrestling, but like really, really um, see something different that other companies haven't been showing you as something positive or um, valid even because, you know, people are invalidated by their size and and height all the time in pro wrestling. Um, So it's funny. People are able to say, yeah, Rage Against the Machine. We're, you know, for the little guy, for the Darby Allen, Rage Against the Machine and shout out to him. Kudos. But like, there are a lot of people who aren't given that same grace to black wrestlers who don't get themselves seen where is the big revolution for people who you know are, are undersized and you know marginalized because of their race undersized and marginalized because of their sexuality are big and undersized and, and, and underplayed because of all those things um it's just really it's, it's just really a, a thing you have to take a step back and apply to different people and realize that, you know, the rules don't apply for everyone. It's a little different. It, it, it's a little odd. And when um, you see how people are almost Teflon, uh, if, as opposed to others who were just like easily beaten, it just makes you wonder. Um, it just makes you ask questions. And I implore everyone to start asking questions. Uh, it helps me see a lot clearer.
1: <laughs> I know uh, like times when we've talked, of course, we we talk about all kinds of things. And this is along the lines of things that we've, uh, we've spoken about when you look at mma and other uh sports like that like i think mma in general mm. um it's very diverse in the way uh that it comes across because you got guys from africa who are yep. kicking butt you got guys from brazil who are kicking butt you got guys from japan who are kicking butt you got black dudes and white dudes and hispanic dudes from the united states of america mm-hmm. who are kicking butt yeah. and and it's really at that point like uh it's it's really all about can you win or not and yeah. it's diverse in that it's not just diverse in the the numbers. It's diverse in you know who's being represented. Francis Ngannou yeah. is one of the biggest MMA fighters right now, yeah. Yeah. and he is just kicking butt right now. And Tomorrow so I think one? you know is it's, it's more than just the the number. It's yeah. uh, also about um, just how things are kind of presented. I want to give a do a quick turn if I can, yeah, because uh, I want to talk to you about some other stuff. But we normally try to keep it on the shorter side. Yeah, about that. <laughs> no, it's all it's all good because okay. you had some stuff, to, some good stuff to say. Um, but I don't know if I've told you this story, Dennis. But the first time I ever saw Darius, um, I was doing a night shift at 102 Jams in Greensboro. Okay, uh, I was watching this video that was put on um, <laughs> on Facebook, and um, his trainer, uh, legendary uh, pro wrestler and trainer uh, George South, has had all kinds of matches with you know Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, all the all those folks, probably has had matches at WREO We probably need to talk to him about that. Yeah. Um, back when they used to do the tapings back in the 70s and 80s. Um, he did a, a, a church show, I want to say, and the ring broke or something. Mm-hmm. And so there were kids that were there who still were waiting to see pro wrestling. So all the wrestlers decided to, OK, we're still going to wrestle, but we're going to wrestle on the grass. Mm-hmm. And so that was Darius's first match no, against Cedric not. Alexander, on grass and there was yeah. highlights of this event and my man took a power slam on grass and then they did an interview with him afterwards you know yeah. back before the beard and you know the, <laughs> a little bit lighter voice yeah and uh he said he went to uncg and i was like yo he's a he's a fellow spartan he took a power slam on grass this is his first match that dude is all right with me and when i saw him yeah. at cwf i had to go up and talk to him uh when i saw him for the first time yeah. and so um i wanted to i brought that up to ask this besides that uh you know particular match what is something that maybe has happened to you in your wrestling career where it's lemons and you had to make lemonade out of that joint like you thought like oh boy this isn't going to be good and then it turned out to be the best thing ever at the end of the night
2: mm um well the nwa promo comes to mind you know okay, okay. you get like shaken up through the concussion and i'm like oh this is terrible i got taken off the pay-per-view everyone's tuning in to see me and then they're like no cut a promo and it ended up being like the best thing that could have happened to me like that weekend um but then something more like ancient that people don't know about i mean there have been plenty of times i remember um you know i was getting ready to wrestle brian pillman jr in georgia one night for uh, viral pro wrestling uh and i was defending my championship so it was high up on the card and the night's going and they're coming to me and they're like brian um his fight just got delayed and i'm like okay cool and then be like, he'll be here by four and i'm like all right and then they're like okay brian's flight got delayed again he'll be here by seven and i'm like okay cool and the show starts at like 6 30 and they're like all right brian uh his flight got delayed again he'll be here by like 9 30 and I'm like, oh we're semi-main. So like all right. <laughs> uh dude comes in nine minutes before our match putting on his outfit. Like putting on the pants. like all right what are we doing? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, right. you know, and so we just went out there with like nothing, like just with nothing. And it worked out. Um there's that there's um I mean I'm trying to think of other things. I mean, you know, sometimes <clears throat> a lot of things are just being at the right place at the right time, you know, um, I have a lot of stories where I have a lot of stories where like, you know, overseas in England, I might've been somewhere and I thought like I was stranded, you know, um, because I didn't have a ride back to London or something and ended up with a wrestler being like, well, Hey, do you want to work this show in Cardiff? We're about to head this way. And I'm like, cool. Hop in the car with them. And You know, that works out. Um, I mean, wrestling's like that, where you get undercut and you're thinking, man, this is going to be the worst thing that could ever happen in my career. I'm stranded in the middle of a country or, you know, I'm injured and I can't do anything or, you know, uh, this I don't know where my opponent is. And it just sometimes it just works out if you just relax and you think about, you know, how how you got here to this part. and You got this far on your own you know, you, you know, you aren't here by accident. So sometimes it's getting, sometimes it's the realization and remembering that fact can get you through it. But those are just some quick stories off the head. I wish I had more time to think. I don't want to sit here. Awkward silence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, my final question for you is Darius as an independent wrestler, the only way you get paid is, is by working, or maybe you're selling merchandise, but <laughs> you have to wrestle and work in order to get paid. Is there, how hard is it to get booked? I mean, obviously you've, built a name for yourself now nationally, but how hard is it to get booked or continue to make sure that I, that you have something lined up because shows might get canceled because of COVID and even just dealing with COVID, you know, a bunch of independent promotions, not only stopped doing shows, but just completely shut down. How hard is it as an independent, basically an independent contractor to continue to keep having work?
2: Well, you know, today in the modern age, it's a little bit easier because of technology, you know, you have a direct, outlet, I get a direct resource or like, you know, um, connection to the promoters, you know what I mean? Just because, you know, back in the day you had to mail things and wait for, you know, send a tape and all that stuff like that. But now you have a direct line to the guys, whoever you want to work for, and hopefully they respond. Um, but that's the thing. Sometimes it gets hard because, you know, with COVID, everyone is vying for a spot. Or in COVID, there are only so many spots, only so much money that the promoter can spend because, you know, houses are down naturally. People aren't gonna go out in masses anymore um and then you know you have to know someone who knows someone some people you message the promoter he won't message you back. it will just leave you on red. there's all these intangibles it kind of makes that com- like that kind of conversation hard um and plus it's also it's harder for some than others you know sometimes you know bookings will come my way though people will ask me how much you booked and sometimes i'm having to email people like hey what, do you, what are you guys doing here so it depends on what level you're at um but today today's day and age i'm not even really necessarily worried about chasing bookings um my strategy is my circumstance is a little different than people's so my strategy is um has changed a lot so i'm not necessarily hunting for bookings like i used to when i used to come up and um you know message people on facebook every other day um nowadays for me it's just more about what i want to do thankfully um and i'm able to you know have a little bit of choice because i think that's important um with with the world going to i want to share all my secrets here but with the (laughs) world uh going to a, um, this format where unfortunately we're learning to live with COVID instead of doing mm-hmm. what it requires to get rid of it, that's another conversation. Um, we we have to be more picky about where we do wrestle at because you don't have to be everywhere anymore. That's not what's gonna get you noticed. Now the internet exists. So now you only have yeah. to be in the places that matter and make what you are doing count and make sure it's something you enjoy doing. You know, you, you know I, it used to be where I was younger, I used to drive 10 hours to be a part of a scramble match and it's like, it's not worth it. It's, and granted, I didn't know I was going to get a scramble match till I got there, which, you know, yeah. pissy off. But, but you know, people who know that were still making that ride. And, you know...
1: Here's $25 and a hot dog.
2: Yes. Here, here's here, <laughs> here, here is a very divisive conversation of pro wrestling, but I'm, I'm willing to tap on it just a little bit and we'll move on. A lot of people... Uh, I feel like exploitation is a pillar of professional wrestling. There are a lot of people mm. who exploit you who will undervalue you tremendously to the utmost degree for as long as they can do it. And they'll tell you that you're gonna do it if you love the business enough. What that really is, is just an abusive pattern recycling itself. They had to go through it, so they're gonna make someone else go through it. And people start to resent you if you don't go through it and call you privileged or pampered. But in any profession, we call it professional wrestling, independent before it or not, if it's profession. If you were to go through the same things professionally as any in any other career path. Um, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't be tolerated. It wouldn't go down the same. You know what I mean? So I encourage people to understand the power that they have as performers and pick what they want to do. Now, I have the stage to say that, like pick what matters, pick what you want to do. If you want to drive 10 hours for it, cool. But you don't have to make those jobs anymore, um, to get bookings. It's just, um, it's, it's it's a different world. And I just want people to be imperative about that. You know, you can get sick nowadays, be very careful. Um, so I don't know, getting bookings kind of easy. I don't know. <laughs>
1: hey, you know crap. how many EEOC violations are happening in pro wrestling right now? So <laughs> you, you know how many EEOC violations are Bro. happening in pro wrestling right now?
2: <laughs> right now? <Or> yeah, <laughs> always, Technically, forever. We want to look at it like, yeah, there's some, there's some nasty stuff we get into, man. People bleed all over that canvas in yeah. in today's wrestling. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. Well, you know, we'll go ahead and, and, and cut it short, but I want to thank you for <clears throat> uh for coming on and, and giving us some time and. um you know we'll we'll be texting later <laughs> but you know it's it's good to have you on and and for the folks who don't know him look him up follow him on, on twitter and instagram he's known as the revolutionary and you can hear through some of his ideas why he is uh, revolutionary especially if you know how things have kind of gone uh, historically in the um business of, of professional wrestling um i'm excited to see what's next for you and everything Anything you want to put out there, pub, uh, you know, let people know about you, that type of thing. So folks can uh, follow you on your yeah. journey.
2: <clears throat> yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Darius Lockhart. You can follow me on Twitter at D-Lock Pro. I do have a website, DariusLockhart.com. Um, all those things are attached. There are, you know, links and bios that have link trees. So, you know, payment things or even merchandise are always going to be in my bio or my links, whatever. Um, yeah, uh, enjoy. I, I, if I think about it, you know, I think... I, enjoy wrestling. I'm filming it this weekend, Saturday. So I don't know when this podcast will drop, but be on the eyes, on the look, look out for my match at Enjoy. Um check out my YouTube channel, you know, also Darius Lockhart. There's a lot of things I'm doing right now. I'm very excited about um so just just follow it up and just remember your power. That's all I got to say about that.
1: I will say that if you just go through um your recent um, promos, like one day I kind of did that and you send me stuff and I look at him like, "Man, that's good." But then when you keep going and you know, I was like, hey, he's been really like putting out consistent promos and this thank thing's you. been and they've been hitting for a long time, man. Thank so you. I remember uh even Dennis sent me, I was like, Man, this dude can cut a promo. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: that's awesome. Yeah, no, thank you, Dennis. That no, that, that's the, that's that thing about putting things in the void. Sometimes things will be the best thing you ever made. And you're like, ah, everyone's gotta see this promo. And it's like five likes, like 14 <laughs> views, and you're like, I'll get them next time. Yeah, and So it has to be good every time because you don't know when the time is going to be. So you have to keep, yeah. you know, make sure it's good. You can't slack off on one because then that's the one people everyone will see and be like, oh, I thought this guy was good. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, always got to be on point. But thank you, though. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you yeah. very much. Thanks for having me, both you and Dennis, man.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. You know, I'm so waiting awesome. for right. my, uh, my revolutionary shirt to come in from Pro Wrestling Tees. I got the uh, the blue oh, yeah. one, the Jackie Robinson you know, like throwback yep. shirt. So I, I ordered that. i so still waiting for it to come in.
2: Thank you very much. I'm a big. Fan. I think that's probably one of my favorite releases I put out. So thank you very much for supporting that and doing that one too. Send a pic. We'll we'll upload it and everything. We'll do. <laughs> you
1: you <laughs> know right. what you gotta say before you before we get out of here. What's up? You know what oh. you gotta say.
2: What, what what time is it?
1: Nation time. Let's All go. All right.
2: There you go. There you go. <laughs> there is
1: Lockhart right here on coaching State. All right, that was a good interview. I want to thank my good friend Darius Lockhart for coming on with us. Um, you know, this is one of those interviews when you look forward uh, or a year, five years from now, you look back on this and you see, you know, the beginnings of the making of a superstar. And I, I really do believe in that. It reminds me of a time where I went to Raw with Darius in Greensboro in t- 2018. We had a chance to watch my good friend Levis uh, who performs as No Way Jose. And, um, you know, I remember like, like taking a video and then switching the video to me and Darius. And like, I did it like a caption says watching one friend on raw while sitting with another friend who will be on raw one day. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm really proud of those guys and what they've been doing in wrestling and um, how, how
0: good they are, you know? So shout outs to all those guys for sure. Absolutely. And shout out, shout out to him, but also shout out to this awesome. Yeah. Brother. You're sure. I know we, I mentioned it during our interview. We taped this a couple of days before this. Uh, about waiting for my shirt. As soon as we wrapped up that interview, I got a notification <laughs> shirts in, the, in the mailbox. Dang it. Wish I had yeah. it. For the interview. Uh, but big thanks to Darius for this shirt. Uh, it makes my arms look great. Um, just the way the cut of the shirt is. So thank you for that, sir. You make me look jacked.
1: Yep. And you can go to ProWrestlingTees.com if you want to yeah. get that or other shirts. He has a lot of great shirts, too. Show back. Show back, too. 42, Darius Lockhart. There it goes. There it goes right there.
0: Yes. And you know what the best thing about companies like Pro Wrestling Tees are? A lot of people want to support, we hear locally, want to support independent artists. You want to support independent businesses, you know, privately owned companies. Well, buying a shirt for a pro wrestler is basically like almost handing them a $20 bill. Be like, thank you for your work. Like, It's it's basically what it is. It's, It's a way to directly support an independent artist is the best way to think about it. So I like buying these stuff because I like to support those that I want to support those that I enjoy w- watching that I want to see continue to be successful people that I like. So that's why I bought this because I support Darius also love his message. Again, it says revolutionary on the shirt for those who can't watch right now yep. or you should again, watch this on YouTube, but I'll also just love his message of be free, be brave, be inspired, be you, be revolution, like be revolutionary. The fact that that message is so profound and and the conversation that we were able to have with him, Chris, and the conversations that you and I have had, um, even outside of this podcast, is just hearing that about how he wants people to be their best selves and just trying to transform the way this world operates. It was just very inspiring. So I wear this not only to support him, but also to help spread his message. And another
1: cool thing about it too, sometimes I think what uh, a mistake that a lot of people make Um, They can look at people and see um, like, oh, they represent this. They must be Uh against this or whatever. And they they try to pit things against each other. I think Darius has done a good job of saying this is what I represent. This is my particular struggle every day. But I don't I I have the ability to look outside of myself and see that. There's folks in the gay community, folks in the trans community, there's folks in you know Hispanic community, Asian community, communities, different communities that go through their own struggles. And I'm standing with them and for them in solidarity. That's yeah. every that's really what the fist means. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the things I think is really cool. So uh, I would say give him a follow. Check him out. Check out his promos. Check out uh, everything about him. I guarantee you'll love him. And of course, if you're listening to us, you have a connection to the state of North Carolina somehow. Right. He's from Charlotte, North Carolina. So, you know, that's that's also a great reason to uh to cheer for him as well.
0: I see some big title belts around his waist in the future. Some big titles. Hopefully
1: oh, cool. 10 pounds of gold, man. That yeah,
0: 10 pounds of gold. The old NWA amazing. Right. Yes, sir. Love to see that. But Thank also you guys
1: for listening and watching another episode of the culture state podcast. Uh, give us a follow. I'm yes. at Chris Lee TV, the fan rookie. Uh, for Dennis, and then also Culture State Pod on Twitter and on IG.
0: Also, make sure if you want ten pounds of gold around your waist, me, I had to Papa Murphy's pizza to get ten pounds of gold around my waist. <laughs> what I like to do go to Papa Murphy's. Yeah, ten ninety nine large pizzas on Tuesdays. Give them a follow at Papa Golden Murphy's. Crust. Yes, get that, that Golden Crust. Yes, <laughs> inside my belly. That's right, ten ninety nine Tuesdays. Give them a follow at Papa Murphy's. On Twitter and Instagram, Papa Murphy's changed the way you pizza.
1: Um, also, thank you for all the five stars and everything Ask. like that. We want more five stars, so please. thank you so much for for that. Uh, wherever you you know listen to your podcast or watch your podcast, um, and uh, you know if you're on uh, watching us on YouTube, please give us that like, and also subscribe to 999 the Fans uh, YouTube page so you can yes. get more into your inbox every time we drop an episode.
0: That's right. Thank you so much. We out, baby. The Culture State Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network with new shows coming out every Wednesday. Download and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts, including the WREL Sports Fan app.